Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, you're listening to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Saslam. Today we are studying Masechet Yevamot Daf Kuf Tet Zayin 116. As we learned yesterday, the Mishnah on Daf 114 taught that a woman who testifies that her husband has died overseas is to be believed on two conditions. First, if she and her husband are at peace, shalom beino uvena, and second, if there is peace in the world, shalom ba'olam. Yesterday, we discussed why she might not be believed if there were a war going on, not because we think she would lie. The rabbis thought it would be unlikely for someone to lie about her husband's death, since they know that if the person showed up alive, he would prove his wife a liar, and then they would be prohibited to each other. But they think they should not believe her, because the woman might be likely to assume that her husband is dead when he is not. Given that there is a war going on, she might make a judgment on what appears to her to be the case. On today's staff, the discussion continues. But today, we deal with the question of why a woman might not be believed as a witness to her husband's death if she and her husband are not at peace. Ein shalom, beino veina, if there is a ktata, an argument between them. Now, wouldn't this be the same case as was discussed yesterday? Wouldn't we assume that she wouldn't lie for the same reason? Because she would know that her husband could show up, and then she would be proven a liar, and they would be prohibited to one another forever. Towards the middle of Ahmad Aleph on our daf today, the Gemara returns to this line of the Mishnah. K'tata no levena. They want to understand if there is an argument between them. What constitutes the kind of argument between them that would make a woman not be believed when she testifies that her husband has died? If a woman says to her husband, divorce me, if a woman has told her husband to divorce her, then she should not be believed. This is the kind of ktata the kind of argument that the Mishnah was talking about. The Stam Gemara now, the redactor of the Talmud, rejects this idea. Kulu nami amruhachi, all women say this when they are angry. Hmm, not exactly sure how to take this, but let's give the rabbis the benefit of the doubt here. Let's say that in their understanding of marriage, it is not improbable that a woman, and I guess we could add a man, we could presume, would say something inflammatory even when the marriage is going generally well. The Gemara is saying, oh please, it's not a big deal for a woman to say in the heat of the moment, I want a divorce. This is not enough of a reason to invalidate her testimony that her husband has died. 
the Gemara brings a different option for what Shmuel might have said. Perhaps Rav Yehuda misheard or quoted him, or misquoted him. Ella be'omeret leva'ala ge'rashtani. Rather, the kind of argument that the Mishnah is talking about, the kind of argument that could invalidate a woman's testimony about the death of her husband, is when a woman says to her husband, you've already divorced me. In this case, a woman is so angry at her husband that she actually lies to him and tells him that he has divorced her and he has forgotten about giving her a divorce. This is a woman who really wants to get out of her marriage. But the Stam Gemara has an interesting problem here. Vilehemna, then we should believe her. Meet Rav Hamnuna, as Rav Hamnuna teaches, Ishasha Amra Leva'ala Gerashtani, Ne'amenet, a woman who says to her husband, you've divorced me, should be believed. Chazaka ein isha me'iza pana'a bifnei ba'ala. A woman never would lie in front of her husband. If she's telling him that he divorced her, it must be true. This is a chazaka, a basic legal presumption. And certainly if a woman is saying that she has a divorce from her husband, this can't be the case in the Mishnah because in the Mishnah she's claiming that her husband died. Of course we should believe her in this case. Why would she have to lie to say that her husband is dead since she already has a get from him? She's already divorced from him, at least according to her statement, and there would be no need to lie about his death just to get out of the marriage. Aha! The Gemara understands Shmuel's case with one more specification. Be'omeret ge'rashtani bifnei ploni ufloni. When she has said, you divorced me in front of Ploni and Ploni, two nameless witnesses, and they say that that never happened. In this case, the woman is clearly very angry with her husband. It is not just the everyday anger of, I want a divorce. She says, you actually divorced me in front of these two witnesses. So clearly, but she also still needs to get out of the marriage because the witnesses are denying her claim that she has again. So she might consider claiming that her husband has died and she should not be believed. This then is the case in the Mishnah. But wait, do we actually think she is lying? The rabbis are split here. My Tama Diktata, what is the reason that we don't believe her if they are in this kind of argument? Rav Hanina Amar Mishum de Mishakra, according to Rav Hanina, it is that she is lying. She's not concerned that he might show up and prove her wrong because she so wants out of her marriage. Rav Shimi Barashi Amar Mishum Dam Rabbe Rav Shimi Barashi says it's because she might say he's dead because she assumes it's so. Here, he's arguing that because a woman wants so badly to get out of the marriage, she will be less likely to ascertain for sure if her husband is actually dead. She won't be as concerned about the penalties if he turns up alive. If a husband turns up alive and she has remarried wrongly, he will be prohibited to her. She'll never be permitted to be with him again, but since she so wants out of the marriage, this would not be such a terrible punishment for her. So she wouldn't worry about the penalty, and she would go with her best guess when she thinks her husband might be dead. It wouldn't be that she's actually lying, 
but that she just wouldn't be as careful as she might have been if she actually loved her husband and wanted to stay with him. Rav Hanina thinks she shouldn't be believed because she's more likely to lie. Rav Shimi Barashi thinks she shouldn't be believed because she's more likely to jump to conclusions and say that her husband has died when he hasn't. So the Gemara asks an important question. My Benaihu, what is the actual practical difference between these two reasons for not believing the woman? Does it even matter if she is lying or if she's just making an error in judgment? Actually, it does matter. It does make a practical difference if he is the one who started the fight. Evidently, according to Tosafud and other Rishonim who explain this, if the man started the fight, the rabbis assume that the woman is less likely to lie because she doesn't actually want out of the marriage. She might still make an error in judgment, thinking her husband is dead when he is not, because she's confused and upset by their argument, but she wouldn't lie. There are a lot of things to say about the assumptions that are being made here, about women, about marriage, about the desires of women. And from the looks of it, no women were interviewed to clarify any of this thinking. But if we step back from that set of questions, the Ika Beinayu is an important part of Talmudic learning. Because what we see is that the rabbis really are trying to prepare for every possible situation. This, then, is the real beauty of the Talmud. Even when the discussions may seem perhaps sociologically dated, the Shakla Vitaria, this back and forth, reflects our deep cultural tradition at work. We look at situations from every possible angle, at the motivations, the backstory, the permutations, and all possible possibilities. This is the beauty of the Talmud. It's also what can make it feel so hard. Hang in there. We are almost completing the book of Yivamot. We are almost completing this tractate. I look forward to studying with you next Masachet in Kitubot. We will see a lot of the beauty of the Talmud there, and it will not be as confusing I promise. It's been great to learn with you this week. Until then. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.